Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Before mom gets up here and just lays out some some <laughs> fire, what do you, what do I you just wanna, think I am? I just want to kind of, I just want to kind of set the tone for a couple things. Um, when we talk about honor, obviously we've been talking about honor. That's been central to everything we've been teaching for a while now. Um, and I just want to, I just want to kind of posture our minds to add another aspect of honor to prepare us for kind of the season that we're going into. Um, I know that many of you, some of you we know for sure because we heard about it, um, but it's not really a matter of if, but when people are going to start asking questions about, you know, Hanukkah and menorahs and the original intent and feasts and all of these things that we know in the church age, people typically would just gloss over. They wouldn't recognize it's not central to the Christianity that we all grew up with, okay? Um, And one of the aspects of honor that I want to prepare us for is that we're going to take it a step further. So we're honoring what God said to honor. We're honoring his original intent. But the next step that we're going to take in honor is actually when you're confronted or questioned or judged for the things that you're now honoring, the next step in honor would be able to be able to account for why you're doing what you're doing, to be able to articulate your conviction to somebody else when that confrontation comes, or maybe it's not a confrontation, maybe it's a judgment, right? Think about Yeshua and who he was and how he was judged by the people that knew the law. They thought they knew the law, but they didn't recognize it when he was standing right in front of them. Okay, so... I think it goes along with what Jason was speaking about rage. It's not that we're going to be confrontational or aggressive physically, but we look for those things as opportunities. Okay, so when you hear a question like, are you Jewish now? Okay, or if somebody's judging you for your theology or your doctrine that doesn't fall within the the realm of Christianity, when that happens, we look at it as an opportunity to articulate or account out of honor to Yahweh. We look at that as an opportunity to account for the conviction that we now have. Amen. So I want to I just kind of add that to our understanding of honor that not only do we honor what Yahweh says to honor the original intent and the alignment that we now have but also that we look for those opportunities that when those questions come, it's an opportunity for us to further honor him by accounting for those convictions, okay? Is everybody like, yes, I'm ready. Amen. <laughs> well, one of the greatest things that I always remember talking about, I don't, it's not our quote, but we talk about it all the time. The quote that says you can't argue with a man with an experience, that's what he's talking about. When people are like, what on earth is happening? Have you converted from Christianity? And you have to go back and explain, Christian? I, no, I'm not, I'm not a Christian anymore. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of like the first step of just trying to, you know, when people would ask like, well, what do, you, what do you believe? And it's actually a huge open door to be able to say something as simple as I'm not a Christian. What? 
And then it just kind of opens a door to be able to explain, well, I'm, I'm a follower of Yeshua, or I am a believer of the way, the truth, and the life. And then people immediately are confronted, well, then why would you say you're not a Christian? And then it just begins to open up the door of what it is that that means. But all that is, is it's a sharing of an experience that you can't argue with me who's had an experience because of what it is that he's done in me. Now it's become real, and it's not just this, it's just such an easy thing in the world to just say, well, I'm a Christian, and then they leave it at that, and you're not necessarily sharing the light of what that means. Does that make sense? So when you're, in, when you're out in public or you're in the world, just being able to have a title or something that's just who you are, you automatically then get stopped in the midst of the definition of what they think that that definition is. And so ultimately, what he's done in us is tear down everything that we thought we knew, right? Which is something that should happen to us every day. Because if we operate glory to glory, I want to shed whatever was yesterday, even for some of us, maybe two hours ago, that I would be able to be so in tune with uh, the kingdom that I would be able to operate in a lifestyle of transformation from moment to moment that what I knew an hour ago, that there's something still even greater to come. And sometimes for there to be room for something to come, I have to be able to let go of how I thought so that I can think how he does. Because there are times where it's like, I am right. Right? I'm, I am a Greek and that is right. And it's like Yahweh's saying, no, let's tear that down because there's something so much greater that I want to add to your life and I want it to become profound. So, so all that is is a testimony. So it's no longer just, oh, I, you know, I believe in Jesus, but it's being able to declare to the world and become so public with our personal testimony. And sometimes our personal testimony then isn't so pretty, right? Because in order to overcome or have a testimony, there's usually a test or something that you had to overcome to be able to give him glory, which means you got to die so that he can be glorified because it's not about me being glorified. It's about my story and him being glorified through my story, which pretty much means I'm not really a part of it any longer if I give him so much glory. So it gives us an opportunity to not just live the mundane or to just say things that we've always said. What, it, what he's doing is he's solidifying something so new to you, not new to him, that it actually gives him glory. And he's, he's I, I guess what I'm trying to say is in the old, the new era, he's just tired of what it's become. He's just kind of tired of what his name has become because his name right now is complacent, doesn't have a whole lot of power, doesn't mean a whole lot, definitely isn't public. It's definitely not something that, you know, I mean, I mean, right? <laughs> it's not something that's necessarily, he's, he's, not being, he's not being glorified. And so because we have basically dumbed his story down, he's wanting to revigorate reinvigorate. He wants to reintroduce us to the reality of who he is so that he can be put on display because we're, we're not doing him any justice for what it is that he has. Amen? So this is all an opportunity. The reason why I say all that is because this is our family meeting. So yes, this is absolutely an amazing, different family meeting, but it is still a family discussion. And we want to be able to provide an atmosphere to be able to discuss some of the questions that have come forward. Something that happened this past week is we got very public in what it was that Yahweh asked us to do. And so 
in general, the overall question that came back to us was that question, have you converted and are you Jewish? Is that a pretty decent somewhat question? Now, I'm not saying that that's the norm. To be honest, there's that little bit of a question. What I have seen is, what? What is that? Why is that? I fit right in with all that. I don't know what all this is about, but I'm feeling there's been more hunger questions than I've ever had before. But I want to make sure that we take time that if there are those hard questions that we are able to also ask or answer those as well. Okay. So the biggest question that we've gotten is, have you converted? Why are you not Christian? Do you not believe in Jesus? And are you Jewish? So what I want to do tonight is I want to bring, with, like with communion, I want to bring the simplicity of the word. And I think that, I hope that this is going to be powerful. Uh, I feel like it is extremely powerful. But one of the things that we've lost is the simplicity of the scripture. Thank you. I feel like I'm looking at branches. I, this, the scriptures are simple. Okay. So the moment you put, this is just what we're going to tackle tonight. Okay. The moment you say Hanukkah, immediately what comes into your mind? Jewish, holiday, and we think of the last eight days. For me, my story was, is it was a group of people that didn't get Christmas, and so they were Jewish, and they did their thing, and Christians did the Christmas thing, and that's just what I knew. I thought it was the Jewish Christmas, and because they didn't believe in Jesus, they thought they should celebrate at the same I I didn't know what it was I just thought poor kids I just didn't I just well I don't know what you're doing over there but sucks for you um that that's what we think of when we think of a menorah or when we see a menorah okay this is what's so amazing about the word or I sorry I said menorah we're gonna do go over two words tonight Hanukkah and menorah and this is what's so powerful. Do you guys remember when I talked about how it's the feast of dedication? Because the word Hanukkah means dedication. So what I want to point out to you is in the scripture, the word Hanukkah is all over the scripture. Anytime the word dedicate in the Old Testament is used, it's the word Hanukkah. So in Nehemiah, when it says they Hanukkah the temple or they Hanukkah the Jerusalem wall, that's all they're saying is they dedicated the Jerusalem wall. They Hanukkah the church. I mean, that's not how you say it in Hebrew. But it, it, it's saying the Hanukkah Jerusalem wall. That's just a word used in the Old Testament. And here we are saying, this is my word. And I am right by the word. And yet Hanukkah is all over. And we immediately have this cultural connotation to it and so then when we go to celebrate it people are like are you jewish is this your word because it's all over the word so we're going to point out a couple of things and i kind of want to like i just want to just talk about a couple of things that i think are going to be interesting when we talk about dedication the other word we're going to go over is menorah so when you see a menorah you typically think what? I mean, pre, pre this season in our lives. Think, well, that's awesome. <laughs> Typically, when you hear a menorah or see one, you think Jewish or you think Hanukkah, you think menorah. The menorah, the candlestick, is in the 
temple. It's in the Ark of the Covenant. It's in Revelations. And we will neglect the scriptures to say that's Jewish and will die by our word and not even realize that menorah is all over it and so is Hanukkah. And so what I wanna just do really simply tonight is just kinda go over those words. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of time, but I just wanna go over those words because I want to equip us that this is not new. This is not a conversion from Christianity to Judaism. This is a original tent. I'm finally reading my word and he's opening up my eyes and I've missed it this whole time. I'm not honoring the candlelight. I'm not honoring the menorah in the temple. And yet I say, I'm now the temple. And you don't even know what's in, you don't know about the showbread. You don't know about the menorah. You don't know about all that, but yet you're gonna say it lives in me because I'm Pentecostal. I speak in tongues, right? So there's aspects to the scripture that's so simple that we miss because we don't know the Greek language or we don't know the Hebrew language. And then we will solidify something off of a culture and dismiss it and say, that's not for me. That's not for now. That's not for my religion. (laughs) But it's in Revelations. Okay. Genesis to Revelations, menorah is all over. Hanukkah, all over. Now, granted, I'm going to go over the words because there is a difference between Greek and a difference between Hebrew. So if you're studying in Revelations, it's not going to be the word menorah, but it's the Greek word of menorah. It's the exact same uh, definition. The definition is lampstand. We are about to enter into, I don't want to say about, but I will say entering into this new era, right? We are on that second level where we are standing on the floor of honor. We're beginning to learn the language. We're going to go over heritage and we're going to go over, what did I just say? We've been going over the feasts. We're going to be going over the language and we're going to be going over heritage so that we can go into another level where our platform is then engaged. There are going to be some things that you're going to engage and you're going to find yourself very excited to find out that the three-in-one Godhead is not all that's there. So when you talk about, (laughs) when you talk about this um, honoring the forefathers, when you talk about the the seven spirits or honoring those that have gone before us, or we're honoring, uh, when we're honoring that, when we begin to engage, you're gonna wanna understand about the lampstand. It's not just about understanding the menorah so that you can understand about how to celebrate Hanukkah so that we can be rededicated. You're actually in this moment, in this past week, you're being reintroduced to something that is extremely familiar and will be familiar when you begin to engage with every area of the lampstand. Because in Revelations, there is a lampstand and there is three on each side. And you're going to begin to understand that in Isaiah, where the seven spirits reside, that it's talking about those lights. So as you're lighting your menorah, or you begin to say from this point forward, I'm not going to let that light go out. There's a whole lot more than just Yeshua's light. It's all, I don't, I don't know how to, it's, it is all of the uncreated realm is light. 
And it is to light up any area of darkness that resides in us. And so there is so much to engage in when we're talking about light. And yet we as a people will completely neg neglect a huge part of the light because we don't even know the word menorah or we say that's not for us. And we've dismissed a lot of the scriptures and a lot of the gospel and, and actually a lot of your inheritance. This isn't so much about just neglecting the scriptures and not understanding some things. This is about going beyond salvation as heirs of the kingdom where you have access to so much inheritance and we will, it's like getting a will and, and not reading the fine print and being like, well, I'm good with the 10 bucks. Right? You have a will and you start reading the fine print. Oh, that's just way too much work. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just take the $10. Who would ever do that financially? Not me. <laughs> but I mean, if you had a will, and if he said, if the will said, if you can figure this mystery out, it's all yours. You're not just gonna be like, you know what? Forget the fine print. I'll just settle for the car. You are going to dig and dig and dig and say, what is mine? And I would hope not in the concept, not in the context of what is mine, but because I want to leave an inheritance, yeah. right? Because it just, it multiplies. And so, so anyways, I want to just kind of go over uh, some of this. So the word Hanukkah, this is, this is so powerful. Uh, the word obviously means, we've talked about this, it means to dedicate, right? The other part of the definition is to establish. That is a powerful word for me. It means, Hanukkah means to establish what has been established in you during this time. And not just during this time, this is just an intentional time to remind ourselves to establish some things in our lives moving forward. But it is, should be a constant Hanukkah, a constant dedication, a constant consecration, a constant, a, a constant in our lives that we would, that we would uh, eat of that word, amen? So it is a time to cleanse all pollution. So I am a temple, right? Just like what Kendra opened us up with, the Maccabees fought for his temple. Could we be a family that would fight for his temple that I would look for that miracle oil under any pollution or under any defilement and begin to light that oil? Because when you do that, this is what I want to get at. When you do that, alignment comes and miracles happen. I want us to remember that it wasn't just a Hanukkah story where it's, it's, it's Hanukkah because there was a miracle and it burned for eight days. That's not why they celebrate Hanukkah. Because they Hanukkah to Nehemiah, they Hanukkah to Exodus, they Hanukkah to any time they dedicated something. That's not why they celebrated it. What was happening was is that there was an alignment that happened when they began to fight for something and got rid of all of the pagan stuff, all of the idolatry, all of the defilement, and when they found that oil is then when the miracles happened. If you need a miracle in your temple, you don't need to say, just burn for eight days, just get in alignment, get rid of the defilement. Be intentional, establish, consecrate your temple and fight for that oil to keep that light burning. He'll do the rest is what I'm saying. You don't have to worry about keeping the light lit every single day. You just have to get rid of the defilement. 
So it's focusing on saying, I am going to have rage. I am not going to be gentle about getting rid of the defilement within my temple. And when I focus on that and I align myself with that, the miracle will happen where he will continually burn until a new beginning happens. Amen? All right. So I want to uh, just tell you guys the Greek word. The Greek word, I'm not going to say it right, is ekkenia. Ik- Egkania. <laughs> and that also means consecration, d- dedication. But listen to the root of this word. I think that this is so powerful. I'm just going to kind of read it and I'm going to let it settle on you. It starts with a, prepar- uh, a preposition in. So being in a fixed position concerning rest. The next part of the word is new, recently made. Fresh, unused, unworn, of a new kind, unprecedented, uncommon, and unheard of. How many of us want to activate a Kenya, Hanukkah, where I am in a fixed position of rest, where I, I am unworn? I am unused, I am uncommon, I am unheard of. That's that word. That's what we're celebrating right now. That is what we get to engage in. So uh, so I wanna just release us in this family. We have been given permission to build, yes? The permission has been as mother and father, you're allowed to put your hands on it. Because for eight years, for us, this is representing a lot more than eight days. For me, what he's been stirring up is this has been an eight-year process. My little girl is eight, and I woke up when I was pregnant with her. So this has been eight-year process that he's now saying in the new era and in the new beginning, you're actually allowed to put your hands on it because you chose for eight years to take your hands off because you were not willing to touch it, because you were willing to say, tear it all down, reteach me, show me the word, I wanna come alive, I'm done with this mundane, I wanna be uncommon, I wanna, what's the unheard of? Let me seek it out, let me find it, let me be willing to be the annoying one that's knocking on the door, I don't get it, or that doesn't make sense, or can you explain this, or can you find that being the ultimate student of being able to say, that, that I, I'm hands off. I don't know anything. Okay? Now he's saying you're allowed to put your hands on it by his work. And so what I want to do is I just want to release us that it's, you guys remember last week I taught on all the laws and the Talmud versus the Torah, right? How to celebrate Hanukkah is in the Talmud. And Yeshua did away with that. Okay, so all of this is by the Spirit. It is realigning with what Yahweh is saying in us on how we choose to walk this out. And so for us and our family, we don't know what this looks like. In the permission of putting our hands on it, I'm like this. (laughs) How about we do a sleepover because sleepover slave lives? Right? How about we do a dinner because, you know what I mean? And so I want us to be free. We have no idea what this is going to look like. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be. It is by the Spirit that we are honoring what Yahweh honors. 
If for you and your family, it means that in John 10, uh, Yeshua uh, journeyed to Jerusalem to be a part of that celebration, go on a journey. <laughs> go somewhere. Go on a walk. I don't know. We don't know. It does not have to look any certain way. And I want our family to have permission or if anything, to have our family give us permission to be able to navigate these things as we walk this out. Because I, this is not a going back to this is, this is how things have to be done. It should be a freeing of because we're honoring it by the Spirit. We're not honoring it by the Talmud. Remember, we are under the Torah, right? So that we can be over it as mothers and fathers so we know what to govern. So when Paul said, you're not under that, that was because he said, you've been raised up. You're not under all the rabbinical four to 7,000 laws that were added after the Torah. You're not under all that, but you have the Torah within your heart. And so being inside the Torah allows you to govern the Torah. Amen? I want to also make sure that I'm clear that we have been saying a lot that the Torah is loving instructions of the Father, which it is. But I want us to remember, just kind of take this and put it in your back pocket because during uh, Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, formerly known as Pentecost, when we get to that, we're really gonna learn a lot more about this. But the Torah was a covenant. It was a marriage certificate between you and Yahweh. And the Torah is made for you and your body to be protected. Because he was tired of the trading of DNA outside of covenant. So a lot of people have thought that the Torah is if I break the Torah, I break the law because he's a bad father. No, they were already, they weren't even breaking laws. There was no law. They were trading I'm getting into some territory we're going to be getting into. But you know Nephilim, the giants and the mixed DNA? There were things that were happening where people were beginning to trade their DNA. They were operating in a covenant relationship outside of Yahweh that was, that was then producing generations that were not right. So he gives them the Torah, which is a covenant agreement to say, this will protect your body, trade only with me so that the generations to come are pure. Because I need to protect the seed line for what's coming. Okay, so I don't wanna get too much into that, but I want us to be excited when we start talking about the things of the Torah, but we are following it by the Spirit. We're not following it by the Talmud. And that's all I want to release. As we begin to put our hands on it, we're beginning to navigate what it looks like to be in this renewed covenant in its pure state so that our bodies are protected and that we are trading uh, purely. Amen? Okay. So the other word, oh, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but just to throw it out there. The word, uh, when I found this interesting, I just thought that this was something I would want to look up. Uh, Yeshua celebrates Hanukkah in John 10. If you read all of John 10, it's pretty interesting. He has some pretty hard sermons during that time. He pretty much calls out division. Then he celebrates this, and then he uh, confronts it, and then the next chapter, Lazarus raises. 
I just think that there's a mystery in that. And it also talks about the sons of God in there. He pretty much confronts the Pharisees and says, doesn't your writing say that Bene Elohim, which is the son of God, would be here, which is you. And so I'm just going to leave you with that, that I find it interesting that John 10 is where it decides to put that in there. And I, I just think that that is a cool thing. So make sense? All right. And then, um, and then uh, the scripture, just so you guys know, is uh, Nehemiah 12, 27. So Nehemiah 12, 27 is the word dedication. It's Hanukkah. So you, if you look it up where they Hanukkah the Jerusalem wall, it's the word Hanukkah. It just means dedicate. What I wanted to bring up uh, is that word, the root word for Hanukkah also means to train. Isn't that interesting? Inaugurate, to train up, dedicate. Think about this, and this is what I thought might be a little bit like, Nye. but here's what's so normal in our culture. Baby dedications. I don't know if we, I don't think we do these here, those here, but baby dedications was a big deal. You have a baby, you put it on the calendar. You call the pastor, I need a baby dedication. I'm going to dedicate my baby. That's all we were doing was Hanukkahing our babies. Right? We were Hanukkahing our babies. I don't think that that's how you say it, but that's what we were doing. We were saying, let me consecrate raising my baby. Let me dedicate my baby. And that's all we were doing. And yet, think about it. If I said baby dedication in any culture, they wouldn't know exactly what I'm talking about. I say Hanukkah, and not, that's not for me. So you can dedicate a baby and consecrate a baby before the whole congregation and have a platform and all this stuff. And we're going to pray and we've got all this stuff going on. But then Hanukkah comes and it's like, mm, 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 that's not for me. That's my temple. So I can dedicate the next generation. But myself, I'm not willing to look at my own defilement and dedicate myself. But I'll dedicate how to raise a child and I'll start at day one and then I probably will never lean on that community again. But I dedicated them and I'm sure it came from some type of culture that had to do with baptisms when they were babies. I don't know, but I'm just saying, think about it. You blast on Facebook, baby dedication, praise the Lord. You say I'm celebrating Hanukkah, why are you a Jew? But look at the scriptures. What has culture assimilated you in that you don't even know you've been assimilated? That we're supposed to every year reevaluate and establish ourselves, amen? Okay, last one is the menorah. Uh, I kind of already talked about this, but you guys know in Exodus, it talks about the lampstand, right? And then in Revelations, you guys know it talks about the lampstand. That is, is this, is this common? Yes, okay. So I, there, there's a lot with this. In the Greek, it's a different word. It's called, uh, I'm not gonna say it right, lichnia, lichnia, lichnia. I don't know how to say it, but the, but the Greek word is candlestick. It's the exact same word as lampstand as menorah. So in the Hebrew, the word is literally menorah. In the Greek, it is uh, lichnia, it's candlestick. It's the exact same word. So again, all throughout the scripture, there is a menorah. All throughout the scripture, there is a candlestick. All throughout the scripture, it's talking about this. And yet we will look at that and say, that's not for me and that's not for my religion. But we'll proclaim revelations, right? Okay. So uh, will you read... Um, we're going to end with this because I just thought this was powerful. Proverbs. 
So Proverbs 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of Adonai, searching all his inmost being. The spirit of man is the lamp of Adonai, searching all his innermost being. Proverbs 20, 27. Just think about that. Let that settle on your spirit that we're talking about lampstands and keeping the flame lit. And it says that his spirit is the Lord's lamp in you. And actually, as we were thinking about this over the course of the week and just contemplating Hanukkah and everything and thinking about why would Yeshua celebrate Hanukkah? Why would he make the the journey to go to Jerusalem to celebrate something that wasn't necessarily commanded in scripture, but he celebrated it anyway. And if you think about it, he, he himself was a, was a walking rededication so that you could have a light continue to burn in you eternally. So he was essentially making the journey to Jerusalem so that he could honor something that he embodied. His whole mission on this earth as the son of God was to enter a temple and reignite a light in a temple that could stay lit for eternity. So he was honoring everything he came to do in Hanukkah. So when you think about that scripture, Proverbs 20, 27, it says that the spirit of the Lord is a lamp inside of you that searches your innermost being. So it's interesting when you think about those type of scriptures, when you're confronted with everything that she just taught us about, you know, we categorize and we compartmentalize certain things according to the church age or traditions or things that we've just always heard. We make certain assumptions and then we compartmentalize that when you have the word saying that the Lord has a lamp inside of you. Like his spirit, the reason why Yeshua left was so that you could have a light burning in your temple. But somehow we've, we've gotten so far away from that that we just compartmentalize things and we just, unfortunately, and we're all guilty of this at some point or another, we just trust what somebody else told us. Right? Don't, we would never tell you to just take what we're, what we're imparting or teaching out of the word and just say, just take, take it at face value. Just trust what we're saying, right? That wouldn't be good discipleship. Good discipleship is go search this out and prove it with yourself. Go in your prayer closet, go search the scripture, go find the mysteries yourselves because you're going to find mysteries that, that Yahweh's only going to reveal to you. So as, as we just think about what we walked through the door and everything that Kendra was speaking about and not going back, we have to be so in the word. We have to be so, we have to be so driven by hunger that we won't settle for the things that we just know, quote unquote, the things we just know. I mean, think about the things that you've just always known them to be a certain way. And this, everything she's teaching on is one of those things. Well, Hanukkah, people say Merry Christmas and you say Happy Hanukkah and they might be like, well, you're a Christian, right? Or, you know, all the things that we're talking about. And, and 
and we're, yet we're not understanding that Yeshua came so that our temple could be rededicated. Amen. That's the gospel, right? That's why we're all here. That's, that's what we all signed up for. That's what we're living for. That's what we signed up to, to, to give our life over to him so that he could be glorified because he came into our temple so we could be rededicated eternally. Amen. Well, and there's an aspect of walking out the word. The word became flesh and we are a crazy bunch of people that believe that his word is made manifest then there's some mysteries that happen when you start studying things like the menorah, then it starts taking you back to the Old Testament. You start learning about the temple, right? Or in the wilderness and, the, and all of that. There was three sections, right? Holy of Holies, outer court, inner court, outer court, right? It's all a mystery for you. There's the outer, there's the outer court, my body, my flesh, my, the inner court, my soul, my holy of holies. What do I want lighting the way? My flesh or the, my insides? Because I just read a scripture where most of the disciples said that's a harsh word when he said, eat of me. There's a reality to that that I do believe that if I'm lit from the inside, the holy of holies, my flesh will have to line up where it says I will live forever. So there's a there's a there's a passing through that's gonna to begin to happen where you're gonna to begin to start to see things completely different. And in order to do that, he's actually bringing us back to the original intent so that we understand. Pow powerful things. I mean, you guys know I'm always talking about it. The word is absolutely powerful. Why did he go to the Jordan? What does Jordan mean? Where did it start? What does Adam mean? Right? It just keeps going and going and going and going and unlocking and unlocking and unlocking for us to grab a hold of the full inheritance, not just, not just salvation and then sit around in hopes that he comes back, you know, and then it'll get fun after he gets here. But the inheritance of what do I have access to now? And if he can walk through walls, so can I. But it's not going to happen if I don't understand menorah within my holy of holies because if I'm so consumed with the outer court and I'm not understanding even what was going on in the inner court, then how can I operate from that place? Amen? Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.